Yeah, welcome back to the Heat Check Podcast. I am your host, Chris Patrick, and with me today are the fellas. We got the president of basketball operations for Valley Sports Plug, Michael Benjamin. What's going on? What up, what up? What's going on, fellas? Happy to have you guys back here. We're back in Studio A. We got this new setup. We always switching it up. Um, maybe someday you'll see this. But also, we can't forget to mention Cliff Kingsbury's personal travel agent and lion painting babysitter, VSP Tallman, <laughs> is also here with us today. What's going on, dude? <laughs> yo, yo, hey, hey, that was that was really you good. You picked up a couple extra jobs yeah, here recently. I'm, I'm, in, I'm impressed by that, yeah. Thank you. I paint a mean lion, so. Oh, you painted the lions? You're not just babysitting the painting while he's in Thailand? Oh, they said I was the painter. Oh shit! No, 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 no! You're the babysitter of the painting. The babysitter while he's while he's away in Thailand. Absolutely, yep, yep. That's me. Because yeah, as we heard, he is. uh, He he bought a one way ticket to Thailand. He's out there right now. As I'm also his real estate agent, and you're in his real estate agent. That's right. That's right. You have a lot of titles. You're working hard for Cliff. Um, And now we have Cliff 2.0, Jonathan Gannon coming in. We're going to have to talk about that. Um, also, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl that happened here the beginning of this month. This is our February recording. We're doing this February 18th, 2023. Uh, just for the record, getting that out there on wax. But of course, you you all know the major breaking news. Sun's got Kevin Durant. It finally happened. So, you know, we got to talk about that. And then, uh, you know, maybe round it out. Uh, we got spring training right around the corner, March Madness right around the corner. See what we're looking forward to in March. And March uh, Madness. just really happy to be back here with the fellas. So first, Tallman, I got to know what happened. What was your experience with the Super Bowl where the Chiefs won over the Eagles 38-35? to Oh, it was heartbreaking, man. Oh, I mean, I was explaining to you guys earlier, I... I was so close to hitting so many bets. I know that's not what it's about. It's, it's not about whatever. But, I mean, when your team's not in it, I mean, it's the biggest event in the world. The most betted on event. Betted on. That's that's a phrase, right? The most bet on? Bet on. Bet on. Bet yeah. on. Bet. Okay, well, hey, fuck me. We know what whatever. you mean. Yeah. Um, it was a great game, though. Uh, it was it was great. It was, it was here in our backyard. Um, it was good to see what they put together at, uh, at State Farm Stadium. Um, unfortunately, uh, the Super Bowl being here uh, might have distracted our owner on trying to find a head coach, but we'll talk about it that It seemed later. like it put a pause on everything. It, it did. Right? It was like he's on. just worried about the Super Bowl. And I don't blame him. I mean, that's dude, he probably made so much money off of that. Right, in our house, right? Yeah, ex- house, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it was great. Um, they did a great job with it. Uh, I, I guess the biggest slam would be the turf. I don't know if you guys heard about all the all the hate. The grass, the field, yeah, got. it was it was really bad. Yeah, and, heard, then, and then you saw it too, like they're slipping and like all over the place. And I heard actually, just to really quick to interject, I heard a really great point that I think is worth bringing up. Is someone said maybe there's a difference between grass that's grown like in the earth versus grass that's grown in a, in a tray. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like, wow, yeah. I didn't think about that because that was the selling point. It's like, oh, it's fresh grass, it's in the sun. But like, if it's not like that much dirt, if it's not that deep, then I could understand why it's you know loose and not oh, totally. being able to like solidify. Yeah, they were calling it like a water park out there. Ugh. And and then you know where the Super Bowl is next year, right? It's in Las Vegas. Oh, great! And it was at Allegiant State, Allegiant Stadium. I think that's what it's called. Um, their turf is also grown the same way as the Cardinals. It's in a tray. It's natural oh. grass. They do the same thing. So, curious to see what happens with that. But it was it was an outstanding game. It was it was entertaining. Um, I was riding the Eagles hard, and man, uh, Chiefs pulled it out. Props to them. 
Yeah, the Chiefs, that was a huge win. I had them to win. If you watch the Super Bowl preview stream we did, I was the only one who picked Chiefs. Everyone else was all in on the Eagles. Uh, Mike, obviously, want to know your perspective on the whole Super Bowl weekend. And also, you went to the Super Bowl experience, right? I did. That's something that I wanted to make sure I made my way out to because it only comes when the Super Bowl is in your city. So they got a whole bunch of different things. I think it's more kind of kid centric you know they have those 40 yard dashes quarterback drills that kind of stuff but they also have opportunities to get some signatures while i was out there rondell moore was out there signing autographs you could take photos with the lombardi trophy you get to see a, just a whole bunch of different things and you know buy some cool commemorative items for the super bowl so i think i ended up just picking up a flag but you know something i definitely wanted to make myself out and and go check it out but going back to the game yeah i think it it was just a tough one man you know like chris said he was the only one who went for the chiefs so we're gonna blame this one solely on him um and you know apologies <laughs> apologies to drew apologies to drama but uh like i think the biggest takeaway that i had was the unfortunate ending that happened for the tallman ticket we were almost oh, going to have man. The most beautiful send-off after an offer of a season. And the picks he was making, man, I was was really liking a lot of them. After halftime, I think we had already hit four of the seven legs or something like that. Did we hit like all of them? I know. Jalen Hurts scored that first one, then Kelsey came out, and those were your two anytime touchdown scores. Yeah, both touchdown scores in the first like eight minutes. I mean, A.J. Brown caught a long touchdown. Travis Kelsey had hit his. I remember I texted you guys. I was kind of wondering what Pacheco was going to do, but right. he hit that pretty quick then, yeah. into the third quarter yeah. as well. And then it just all came down to that minus one and a half. And it was looking good in the second half, but that Eagles defense giving up 31 points in the second half and a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter Dude, was just a tough look. So bad. And at the end that. of the day, once again, it's funny how it all ties back to the Arizona Cardinals because, like we said, our new head coach was the defensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles, but I'm sure we're going to get into that pretty soon. Brutal. Yeah, I was seeing a lot of like uh, Eagles fans, like almost like good riddance. I'm glad he's gone, and you know yeah, now the drama head- was like that too. Yeah, there you go. And I was like, well, I mean, it seemed like he did pretty good for you guys for two years. I don't, right? I mean, uh, I don't know. One bad game shouldn't be like the whole. Like- yeah, but they're hitting them with a. Did you, did you see their opponents this season? The Eagles opponents. No. Oh, I didn't really. Dude, they played they had a they pretty had, easy ride. Dude, yeah. Actually, the, I think I did have one. The point competition was not tough. Like, if you went through the list of quarterbacks that that defense faced, mm-hmm. like, they played probably two good quarterbacks, and, and Dak Prescott being one of them. And that's probably a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would be uh, tempted to agree with that. Um, it is a division game, and, it, and you know, Cowboys, Eagles, that's always a, a, a toss up. But, man, yeah, Super Bowl weekend, there was a lot of excitement here in the Valley. Quite a bit going on. Um, I mean, you you fellas even went to the Waste Management Open, right? Do you have anything you want to share from that experience? Well, it was actually the first time that I've ever went to the Waste Management Open. And I know, you know, it's gained a lot of notoriety over the past decade. And my first experience was in a skybox on 16. So I know Tallman already said, <laughs> if I ever go again and yeah, I'm not doing it the same way, I'm going to be disappointed. And I could probably see that because... It was just a sea of people, dude. Like, I honestly have never seen that many people just out and about in sections 
all going crazy, all having a good time. It was definitely a crazy experience. I wouldn't have traded it. But if I don't have tickets for a Skybox again, I don't know if I'm going to be making it out there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was a great time. Um, food kind of sucked. but Really? Yeah, it wasn't that good. Yeah, that's unfortunate. But, uh, I mean, you get free drinks, so. Hey, free is free at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Free food, yeah. free drinks. And also, we did, yeah, that. the tickets are free, too. But, um, but it was a great time, yeah. We didn't see the streaker, though. Oh, you didn't? No. Nah, was that was, the day before you guys that, went? Yeah, that, that was, was on Friday. Friday. Friday yeah. yeah, and you guys went yeah. on Saturday. I think I saw Chev was out there on Friday. I wonder if he had, he saw it. I don't know. Hard to say. Yeah. But yeah, man, like, I don't know. Is there anything else uh, you guys wanted to say about about the Super Bowl? I mean, uh, Patrick Mahomes, MVP, the Kelsey Bowl. Uh, it was kind of cool seeing uh, on the field after the game their moms celebrating with both of them and kind of getting emotional. Some of those stories that come out after the game. But and again, like Chiefs, well, it was kind of a crazy like this. Like, I think Patrick Mahomes said this was supposed to be a rebuilding year for them. And here they are, the champs once again. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has been in the Super Bowl a bunch of times. How, how much of a chance do you think there is that the Chiefs will just may, might just get there again next year? It's a very good chance. Yeah, I mean, they. <laughs> I mean, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback of this generation. I mean, he's going to keep doing it. And then when you pair uh, when you pair Patrick Mahomes with arguably the best play caller in NFL history, Andy Reid, I mean, yeah. he's a great coach. I mean, he, he's fat and ugly and sorry. Okay. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> was me. Uh, right to the point. But he's calling. he's one of the he's one of the best coaches. So when you pair those two together, minus Tyreek Hill, it doesn't even matter. And even if they didn't have Travis Kelsey, I think they'd still be a really good contender every single year. So sure. Shout out Andy Reid 2.0, the guy who watches all the games at uh, <laughs> Cold Beers and Cheeseburgers. <laughs> Gets dressed up in full garb. Dude, he looks just like him. He was getting roused the whole game, the Cincinnati Bengals game that we watched there. Yeah, but but he's, he's cuter, though. You're, you're not ugly, Andy <laughs> Reid 2.0, I promise. But, I mean, the only thing I can echo is all the sentiments that Tallman said. As long as you have Patrick Mahomes, who is one of the best quarterbacks of the past decade, along with a legendary leader like Andy Reid, they're going to be able to reload, get the right pieces around them, and they're just going to be consistent AFC championship contenders oh, yeah. as long as both of those guys are still there. So it won't be a surprise to see them make a deep push next year as well. And Unfortunately. Yeah, they kicked our ass week one. Remember that? We oh, lo- yeah. We lost like 40-something to fucking 14. I, I don't know. that. I, I, I deleted that from my memory, but they absolutely kicked our ass. And you remember uh, the turf was a question in that game as well. Do you guys remember that? Uh, it was Harrison Butker. Butker. That's Butker. But Butker. But her. Butker. Um, he yeah. remember on the opening kickoff, he like twisted his ankle or something, like fell. That's right. That's when he got hurt. Yeah, and oh, Andy no Reid. Andy. Yeah, he missed like two weeks, and then Andy Reid came out the next uh, the next day and like talked so much trash about the the turf at State Farm Stadium. Oh damn. Yeah, and then of course they end up playing the Super Bowl there. Yeah, exactly. So they uh, so the Chiefs started their season with the win at State Farm Stadium mm-hmm. and they ended their season with the win oh, at yeah. State Farm Stadium. That's a great Isn't point. That, that's and crazy. they had more wins yeah. than the Cardinals did at State Farm Stadium. Oh, you know they did. You're yes, so right. That. You're you didn't so have right. to bring it up again. You're Chris. so right, they did. Well okay, so yeah. then um I was gonna go a different way, but now that I kinda we're talking about the conditions at State Farm Stadium, they only got one win at home last season. 
I saw today on Twitter, um, I, I'm sorry I don't have the user in front of me now, but he was saying that he had been a season ticket holder since the stadium opened, but he's not going to renew his season tickets because they raise prices. And he says that the return on investment just isn't there. I mean, how are you going to raise prices when you're having turnover in your coaching staff, you're uh, not winning games? What's the incentive for you to can, to pay more? I get, like, obviously inflation or whatever is going on in the economy, but do you guys think that's fair that maybe they're going to burn some fans and we're going to see more? My fear, I guess, before I pass it over to you guys, is that we'll see more of the resale market and outside fans coming in. Mike, what, what do you think about that? Uh, it's utterly disgusting. I mean, after having one home win for a franchise over the past two years to raise ticket prices after already struggling to build any kind of home field advantage, and now you're going to have regime, regime change? What kind of culture are we trying to build here in regards to a fan base? I, 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 that's news to me. I'm really happy that you brought that up. I am ashamed. I mean, going back to those days with the Phoenix Suns in the mid-2010s, early times when we were just absolutely horrible, they continued to lower prices because they just wanted fans to be there, and they gave you incentives. That's what the Cardinals need to be doing right now. You need to be lowering ticket prices to make sure that Arizona Cardinals fans can be in the stadium and give them a little bit more incentive. I know the NFL is kind of a tough market because there's so many transplants here of, you know, any team that seems to come in here is always going to have some kind of fan base as an away unit. And the resale market is just going to be easy for them because people are like, well, okay, my favorite team's here for once in however many years, especially if it's one of those like AFC conference teams that's not here very often, they're going to pay those prices. But if you want to build a home field advantage back, you raise prices after a four-win season? I mean, like, what are we doing here, folks? It's just insane. And yeah, I found it here. Um, it's for sure. Mike Jarecki is saying uh, he responded to Kyle Odegaard, who said, how bad is the season ticket price increase, Cardinals fans? And uh, Jarecki responded, this tells me they're clueless about the fan base. So many people were on the fence and were talking about going back to Sun Devil Stadium. During the season, hearing from a lot of fans that they were only going to buy single game tickets, plus two wins in the last couple of years at home. That's pretty bad. And yeah, so everything, you basically echoing what you're saying, Mike, is just you haven't gotten anything worth watching or worth coming to State Farm Stadium to watch other than the opposing team and now you're going to ask fans to pay more it's just absolutely insane I mean Talman would you agree yeah it's yeah it's rough but I mean you pay a little extra for your season tickets and then like a normal Cardinals fan you sell them to all the Seahawks fans and the Niners fans when they come and then you make your money back I'm just kidding that's a joke um well, so I, I, I'm with you guys, but I, what what was it? They they've sold out every single game for the last how many years? So that they've sold out every single but, game. What they're not selling it out to Cardinals fans? Well, no, but well, yeah, yeah but yeah. So why do you? So if you're the, selling out dude, it, on the secondary market. Those tickets are selling yeah, no matter what. Why do you have to if, raise it for the fans that are going to be there it, being Cardinals fans? Dude, they have okay. So I want to use the word monopoly. All right, so they control. Do you want to go to the game? Do you want to buy season tickets? Uh, this is what it's going to be like, and it's, it's, it's just they can do that, you know, and they don't have. And well, it, obviously, and, they and can if, do and if that, you don't, but is it for yeah. the betterment of? But if the you don't want to pay it, 
No, I, I agree with you, but if you don't want to pay it, some other fucking schmuck is going to pay it. So you're you know? saying Cardinals fans should just pay the premium no matter what to support their team? Well, I mean, do you guys want to buy season tickets? No, I wouldn't want to go. <laughs> Why would I want to buy season tickets? I don't even want to buy single a, game tickets, for Tom. A four no, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Team. Yeah, that I'm has question marks at a lot of different places. I mean, we still don't even know who our coordinators are going to be, and we don't know who's going to be playing quarterback to start the first half of next year. And to tell fans who have probably been there for a couple of years going through this mess of the past couple of seasons where all we did was fall apart at this second half of the two seasons prior to last season, now you want them to pay more to try and build a home field advantage? I mean... Oh, yeah, I'm come with on! You. I understand. It's a hard sale. I understand the it's economic time frames. Like, Everything's going up. Inflation is crazy. Yeah, I got to pay six dollars for a freaking carton of eggs. I get that, but the <laughs> NFL is, is making money inside and outside. Yep. It's flowing in every single way, guys. The Super Bowl was just here. Yeah, Why dude. are you telling fans that they have to pay more next year when you just got all this influx? Of cash. Didn't he from make enough money off that? Here. Yeah. You would think. Yeah. Well, and here we go. So Come on, Michael. Shout out Davey um, d- at Delmo Sons on Twitter. He's chiming in also. He says, So we are responsible for helping Bidwell pay for his bad decisions. Because Cliff <laughs> Kingsbury's good. in Thailand, not that coaching, and he'll good. continue to get paid by the Cardinals. So yeah. Are so we what's the increase like? Did you see anything? I didn't see numbers. Okay. I didn't see numbers, but it's bad enough to where lifelong fans and lifelong season ticket holders are, are, are backing out. Yeah, people are Because these are fans that would I think the guy that I first saw that really introduced me to this story, he was someone who was a season ticket holder that went to the games. He wasn't one of these guys that sells it to Seahawks fans or Rams fans or whoever the fuck is coming into town. Um, it's it's insane. It, it's absolutely insane. And this is just proof that that's what we're going to continue to see is all of our games are away games. And I think that's kind of what breeds into maybe them not having so much success at home is because they don't have a true home presence where the away team is getting drowned out with noise where they can't hear each other in the headset. Like other teams that have that advantage, it, it helps. Dude, you would sell your ticket too if you could sell it for five times what you paid for it. Not right? if my team was successful and I wanted well, yeah, to go so see that, and watch different. them. So Remember, um, what was it? The Carson Palmer days was it twenty sixteen? Mm-hmm. Dude, we had a real home field advantage. Like that place was electric, man. Well, like, and so we had like that place was full of Cardinals fans. Like recently, like the last two years, like I, I've only gone to like two games, I think, in the last two years. But um, but it's always like so many, so many uh, fans for the other team. I know. You're 100% right. Like, you know what was the difference between those anymore. teams, too, with yeah. 2016? Consistency and leadership with Bruce Arians and a consistent unit that was at the top of the NFC West competing to try and make a Super Bowl. There's a difference. Here's the other, other truth about Arizona, guys. I mean, I already said about the transplant thing. Arizona might be one of the most fair weather fan bases in the entire country. So when our teams are good and we're winning, yeah, people are going to show out. They're going to put on their Cardinals jersey that they bought, you know, 15 minutes ago and (laughs) and go shout rise up Red Sea and that kind of stuff. But then down the road when this team is struggling and ends up with the third overall pick, us fans like us who have been going through the mud forever are the ones who have to pick up the bill. And if we even want to go to a game next year, got to pay $250 to go see them play against the freaking Carolina Panthers, which is a horrible matchup. That's not a game I want to go to, but it's probably going to be the cheapest price tickets that you could possibly get. Because the other thing, too, 
I don't know about you guys. I'm never going to another football game and sitting in the upper deck. No. I would rather just Hell sit no. at home yeah, and no. watch the game because to I'm be up you. there is just an utter joke. It's a horrible view. You can't yeah. see I'm, anything. I'm yeah. It's I know it's about the atmosphere and that kind of stuff, but if I'm going to a football game, I got to be in the lower level and I've got to be in that atmosphere because at least I'm closer to the action. Right, because you don't want to be at the stadium watching the jumbotron to see all the action. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, like, that's what we. You're just at a watch party, basically. I mean, how many point. games did we go to when we sat up top? Oh, a bunch. Oh, a bunch. Because I mean, you, you get what time. you can afford, but I mean, yeah, Mike. I mean, you guys all great make great points. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but like, it's so true. Like, if you think about the price being increased for season ticket holders, that's pa- that cost is only going to be passed on in the resale market, and I'd imagine that cost is also going to be seen in. Uh, single game tickets as well um also mike about the fair weather nature of fans it's it's funny because there's a lot of people now that were born and raised here but they're raised packers fans or cowboys fans or steelers fans i was gonna say i was gonna say i can i can say i'm somewhat guilty of that where when those teams are all doing well they're fans of them but then when the as soon as the cardinals are doing well they'll be the first ones to throw on the cardinals jersey like you said and flock to the stadium so I'll I'll wear that I'll wear that but I'm really coming around I mean obviously since we've been doing Valley Sports Plug I'm a I've, I've always been a Cardinals fan I lay lay claim to that I don't need to explain myself yeah, well, yeah I see, no. I see the poster so you you're doing yeah, pretty right good you're already initiated <laughs> you don't have to explain yourself yeah, anymore we're good we're good and and since we're talking football I think it's important to note that we have some breaking news coming in VSP Tallman's letting me know that the the Cardinals have hired a defensive coordinator. Breaking news. (laughs) Welcome back. All right. Um, So the Cardinals just hired Nick Rallis, and this came in 15 minutes ago, what, at at 9 o'clock at night on a Saturday? Interesting. Uh, So they just hired uh, Nick Rallis as the defensive coordinator. And for all you guys out there, go, who the fuck is Nick Rallis? Um, (laughs) (laughs) He was a linebackers coach. For the Philadelphia Eagles, go go figure. Oh, yeah, yeah okay. go figure, right? Okay. Um, he's also 29 years old. Uh, he's been coaching in the NFL since 2018, and it just adds to the fact that we are going to have probably one of the worst coaching staff staffs out of the entire <laughs> NFL. Oh my no. gosh! So we got Gannon. We got Gannon as the so, head coach. So bad, dude. Now we got Rowless as the DC. We still need an OC to be hired. Is that right? We do, and it's it's probably going to be the Browns quarterback coach, and I think he's thirty five. Oh, okay. And so we're talking about a, a coaching staff with zero experience. Mm-hmm. Maybe they have talent. I guess we're going to find out if they have talent. But sure, they have no experience, and it's just going to be a, just a huge conglomerate of just people that don't know what they're doing. Maybe, maybe so. So Mike, great, awesome. Mike Sean McVay came in at thirty, um, and he's been, he found some success with the Rams. And I just want to ask you though, from your perspective, would you trust? And I don't want to you know talk. Maybe this is age discrimination. You let me know. But would you trust ageism? A defensive coordinator that is the same age as VSP Tallman. <laughs> would you a- trust VSP Tallman to be the defensive coordinator? <laughs> I, okay, fuck, I, I mean, fucking wouldn't. A hundred percent no. But no. okay, maybe that question. That's a loaded question yeah. to ask somebody who is 29 years old. Dude, I'd I'm, be like an NFL. I'd be like calling the the field goal lineup every single time. <laughs> you just you just rush rush 11 every time. Yeah, why not? Yeah. You know, guys. To be honest with you, 
I'm okay with the hiring because it shows that the leadership that has been brought into play is starting to trust their guys to build out their coaching staff. And obviously with the hiring of Jonathan Gannon, who was the defensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles, he's bringing in a guy that he has firsthand experience with for the last two years in Philadelphia. And I'm sure they're going to be in tandem when it comes to everything on the defensive end. So we're still talking about what's going to happen with the offensive coordinator. It looks like there's a couple of names going back to what Tallman already said. Drew Petzing, the Cleveland Browns quarterback coach. Drew Terrell, Washington Commanders wide receivers coach. Joel Thomas, the New Orleans Saints running back coach. And Troy Walters, the Bengals wide receiver coach. You know, a lot of guys who, you know, you could say don't have as much experience within the league, but are getting opportunities and Sometimes that's just what you got to see. You know, I'm okay with giving guys who have been in the league in some kind of position for a certain amount of years an opportunity to show what they have. It's a difference from what we saw with Cliff Kingsbury, right? Right. All he had was college experience. He never coached at all in any NFL capacity. So, you know, give give it some time, see what can happen and the one true aspect I think about these hirings so far is that these guys are looking to work as a cohesive unit, not just, you know, the leader of the offense and a guy who's not truly a leader of men. And that's I think that's actually a really great point is when we looked at Cliff Kingsbury's cabinet, if you will, being built, it was Michael, I'm sorry, it was Steve Kime building that cabinet for him, and he was hiring the DC and the OC. And I think this shows that Gannon had serious input, if not outright making the decision to hire Rowley. He's an Eagles guy, so I think that that honestly bodes well. And, and Mike, you make a great point that make building a cohesive unit. So yes, this could be their. This is a lot of their guys. It's all of their first chances. I think like first time head coach, first time DC. We're probably going to see someone who's a first time OC. But first time doesn't mean that it's not going to work necessarily. So I am, I guess, willing to give it the benefit of the doubt. I know I started out this show by saying he's Cliff 2.0 because he's a young guy. He seems like he's a I'm basing that off of him being a young guy, him being seemingly a player's coach. And that corny video the Cardinals put out where he was leaving the the meeting and went up to see Kyler in the buckle up. Buckle up. Yeah. So, Tom, what are some of his uh, catchphrases that you were saying from the, the press conference? Don't get it twisted. We're going to win football games. Don't get it twisted. Let it rip. Buckle up. You know, I did want to kind of go back to the opportunities that these guys are starting to see now. You talk about the GM, Monty Austinfort, a guy who it's his first time as a GM, but he's worked within the league for many different organizations for over 20 years as a scout, you know, as a player consultant has done different types of positions and been around the game for a long time. I mean, if you look at successful Jonathan, organizations, exactly yeah. right. Yeah, first the time New GM England to Patriots, and he helped kind of change the culture with the Tennessee Titans as well. Yeah, Titans aren't that bad either. I mean, if you really look at Jonathan Gannon's track record as well, you're looking at a guy who started in the NFL in 2007 with the Atlanta Falcons as a defensive quality control coach, and then it looked like he'd worked some time as an executive as well as a scout. Worked with the Rams. Uh, from yeah. twenty or two thousand nine to about two thousand eleven, and then has been a coach since twenty twelve, with the Titans, the Vikings for three years, the Colts for three years, and then the Eagles the past two. So, 
that's what happens when you work within the league and you get notoriety and guys are willing to back you. You're going to get those opportunities. And once again, the last thing that I'll say is I will give props to a certain extent to Michael Bidwell. And he did say when they announced that Cliff Kingsbury was going to be fired that it was going to be different. They were going to go outside. They were going to do interviews. It was going to be They're a going to different... cast a wide net. Exactly. There's a another, wide net. There's another catchphrase <laughs> you can throw on the list as cast well. Cast a wide net. And they did. I, I will speak back to kind of what you were saying, Chris, as well, where it, it looked like we kind of hit a stallmate in regards to making the hiring because of the Super Bowl. But I'd say that the Cardinals did their due diligence in regards to trying to find the leader that Monty Austinfort was going to be able to work with. And, and start to expand from there. Well, he was supposed to be one of Monty's guys, you know, like, uh, and, and okay, so going back to when we started looking for a head coach, he was nowhere on the list. Like, he wasn't even a thought. And then props to this guy, props to JG. He goes from... JG Wentworth? Yeah. <laughs> Eight, seven, seven, I need a new quarterback. Um, he goes from losing a Super Bowl... In such a terrible fashion, and 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 he gets some of the blame by the Philadelphia fan base, right? Because he didn't, uh, oh yeah, he didn't adjust, he whatever in the second half. But I mean, you're playing Patrick Mahomes. I mean, how many times have people been? How many times has a coach been burned by Patrick? Many times. So he loses that game, and then after the game, supposedly, they say, "Hey, JG, John Gannon, you are not." coming home with us, you're going to interview for this job for the Arizona Cardinals head coach. So he goes from, think about the emotions, right? You just lost, I mean, him. I mean, he's in the biggest game, biggest moment of his coaching career, and you lose that, and someone tells you you need to turn around within 24 hours, and you need to interview for a job. And so he goes in Monday, interviews for the job, Tuesday he comes back in and he gets the job. Like think about like that yeah. is like props to that guy, man. You know, and I, I don't know. And he won the press conference. He did. He came out. He said all the right things. He had his corny sayings that yep, we're probably gonna we're, we're probably gonna make we're probably gonna make fun of those going forward. It's gonna be it's gonna to be it. a staple, yeah. right? But he won the press conference. But I just cannot believe the type of emotions that guy probably went through and then you had to turn around and perform in the biggest job interview of your entire life and like that's what yeah. he's worked as so yeah we're talking about somebody that does not have head coaching experience but we're talking about somebody that has put it out there for so many years he's earned his opportunity and he got it this is his dream job sounds like he's down for it he's got he, like i said he won the press conference he's got Everything that we're looking for in a sense of talking, let's see if it turns into something. But I just can't believe that. You lose a Super Bowl and then you get a you get a head coaching job. It's an incredible turnaround. And I <laughs> yeah. mean I think it kind of explains why we see I think we were talking about why we're seeing coaches get those five year contracts or longer contracts to start is because you got to give them a chance to develop, especially when it's a first time head coach. I mean, yeah, it's his first time, so he could. It's gonna, it's gonna be sink or swim for sure. It's gonna be, are you successful or are you not? 
and maybe your first season you you're finding your footing by the second season you should probably by the end of your second season you should probably start figuring out you know where you're at with your team and how you're going to be a head coach and then third third season on is like whether you keep your job or not and go ahead mike yeah i'm sorry i have to cut you off that's exactly it right that's what the Cardinals did with Cliff Kingsbury when they first signed him. They signed him to the five-year extension, probably understood that maybe the first two years would be a learning experience, a learning curve that you have to figure things out. And the trajectory was up, hitting that third year when we start 10-2, and two, we make the playoffs, we improved but then year. we get yeah. blown out. Don't re-sign your coach right there. Make sure that they go into that fourth year and continue the trajectory that you're supposed to go on so then you don't find yourself having to eat millions of dollars at the end when your, t- when your leader completely loses the locker room in probably week six and then ends up being a laughing stock on, um, I'm not going to say it's not national television, but what is HBO, you know? Cable That's provider, premium, premium television. Yeah, there, there you go. go. But Talman, before you before you take I'll, this real quick, yeah. um, you, like Mike, you're right. But a one week, a one year sample size is not enough of success. You need to see him finish at least that fourth year of having continued success before you sign him to an extension. And the Cardinals fumbled the bag and gave him a five year extension off of some faulty because he didn't do well the second half yeah. of that season and Kime too yeah. and Kime so well, Tom and the season before in his second year right when we had the opportunity to make the wild card and all we had to do was win against the Rams and we fell flat once again so it's you the progression was there but I didn't see a need to sign both Kime and Cliff at that point they were both under contract you have them for two years make sure that they're properly taking the next steps and winning a playoff game before you sign guys to another five-year extension. I know you're happy and you're, you're stuck in the moment about that, but there's a reason that you signed guys to five-year extensions. It's not the same way as it is for players who are basically pining after they sign their supermaxes after the third year where it's like, well, I'm going to sit out if you don't re-sign me. That's different. Those are players that are on the field. Those are the guys that are actually going to be the epitome of your difference makers if it comes down to wins or losses. For your coach, I mean, got to get a playoff win if you're Cliff Kingsbury before you're getting another extension. Yeah, then, but you're, compla- uh, you're comparing players and coaches. So when it comes to the coach's salary, that's Bidwell's money. Who cares? You know, he, that he doesn't sat- go towards the salary. Yeah, no, not yeah. at all. That's literally coming out of Bidwell's pocket. And he chose to eat that, which good. As an owner, he should because it needed to happen. But at the end of the day, it's like if he wants to sit there. And and then I told you this earlier, Chris. I said, dude, in like two years, they could be paying three head coaches. Yeah. Because they signed. Uh, That's a real they possibility. Signed, they signed J, uh, J.G. Wentworth to a five-year deal. And what if he chokes for the next two seasons? Right. Well, and that's the gamble. And, and, I think- and, and yeah, we have so we have such high expectations for no reason at all. Obviously, you want to Our be optimistic. <laughs> it, it's not looking good right now from my no. seat, and I think a lot of Cardinals fans feel the same way. Um, but what I was gonna say is that I, I just think that by Bidwell extending Kime and Kingsbury is that he was really gambling on his investment in the fact that he had just drafted Josh Rosen, gave up on him, let him hire Cliff and draft Kyler Murray because they were supposed to be the tandem, the duo that was going to save the Arizona Cardinals. And he just, after one season of pseudo success where they had a, a good record on paper, he wanted 
that to be continued. And he just, he wanted to will it to existence. And, and I just really think that that was the ultimate downfall is he couldn't see the bigger picture of the failures in Cliff Kingsbury's leadership and his ability to coach this team. Yeah, and I just, with the time frame that everything came up to, because last season we also had to re-sign Kyler Murray. I don't understand why you just focus on that one aspect, get rolling into next the next season, see what goes from there, and then re-sign those guys. I understand that Kingsbury and Kyler were kind of hip to hip, but it doesn't mean you can't have overlapping contracts there. And at the end of the day, you know, maybe we're just thinking – you know, I know Michael Bidwell has to eat that chunk of money, but we're just looking out for the guy. I know he's a he's yeah. got some cash, but if he can hold on to it, you know, we're just looking out for you, Mike. I, I do like you. I want you to save your money. But I did want to go back to what Tallman was talking about in regards to expectations and how there still might be some higher lauded expectations from fans or people, which Let's put it out there for you, Cardinals fans. Your expectations need to be at your absolute bare minimum. We have a lot of different moving pieces. I mean, we our entire coaching staff is going to be different from top down head coach coordinators, you know, receivers coaches. You know, all of these guys are going to be different and it's going to take time to fit guys back in. Kyler Murray is not going to play until probably halfway through this season. We don't know who our quarterback's going to be. DeAndre Hopkins is probably going to end up being traded. So there's just too many unknowns. The only expectation that should be coming up for next season and for any fan base after a terrible year is let's win at least one more game than we did last year. That should be your bare minimum expectation. If you're a fan of any team. Let's win a home game. How about that? Yeah. That, that, would, no, be, let's that win, would be nice. Let's win two right? home games. Let's yeah. Win, yeah, let's you win know, two how, home games. How about yeah, we how about that on That'd be great. That's how the about, mark. Yeah, how how sad is that? the season ticket holders that we just talked about have to pay more money? Um, that would be great for them, wouldn't it? Uh, so D-Hop, gone. He's gone. He's absolutely gone. And you're we're talking about expectations. They're, I mean, you go from 10-2 and two at one point in the season – a year and a half ago to the third pick in the draft. And it is brutal. This has been probably one of the worst seasons I've ever seen from the Arizona Cardinals. And then we turn around, we get, so you get rid of the staff, the coaching staff, and then you hire JG Wentworth, Jonathan Gannon. Then you hire him and the goon. It's, It's like all the kids from the Goonies, man. (laughs) <laughs> it's, just, it's just him and his buddies, right? Granted, they only hired a DC, but um, it's just like, what is happening? So if they don't bring in, I'm telling you right fucking now, I apologize for my language. If they don't bring in Never apologize. somebody that is like a, I don't know, a, a, a head coach assistant or a offensive consultant or a senior consultant, they need to bring in somebody that has some sort of experience to teach all these kids. And I say kids, I'm talking about people that are 40, 35 years old, okay? But I'm, they're kids in the NFL when it comes to the coaching ranks, when it's so old school and we're talking about people that, we're talking about Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll. Uh, we're talking about people that are... Well, right, but that's, yeah. the, that's the old guard, you it's, know? Like, it you is, give, it is. You gotta but, give new people a chance. Like, like I said, Sean McVay came in at 30, had success pretty early on. He's not even that old. He's like 36, yeah. 37. But you like need that. somebody to show you the way. Champ. 
I show you. I, the I way don't disagree. My, You're right. I don't disagree. So there, there's a little bit of chatter about Mike Zimmer coming in and being some part of this staff. I and like I, it. And if that happened, dude, that would be incredible. So I don't some, hate that. Something needs no, to happen like that. that. Because right now, how they're trending, it's scary. So it's you, bad. And we're going to end up with, with another top five pick. And then we're already fucked because the Bears had to lose that fucking game. <laughs> and now they have the first pick. And yeah. they're gonna they're gonna take uh what was it Williams what's his name uh the the edge rusher that we desperately need Will Anderson Will Anderson there you go what did I say Williams that's that was wrong Will yeah. Smith Will Smith Will Smith close enough he's Slap. he's smacking offensive yeah. line <laughs> so going back to what you were talking about Tallman so you're thinking that the Cardinals it would be in their best interest to kind of do what the Washington Commanders did with Eric Bieniemy. And hiring him to be kind of like the, I think his official title is assistant head coach. And I think he's going to be the offensive coordinator as well. I don't see it being an official title as assistant head coach, but I'm 100% with you. If you bring in somebody. he got signed to the commanders? Yeah. Yep. I believe. He was the chiefs coordinator previously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But he never called plays. It was Andy Reid called all the plays. Right. Yeah. It was always. Skepticism very about who really yeah. was calling the plays there, but oh, I missed that. Sorry. All right. No, but I mean, with Zimmer, if he was somebody that the Cardinals brought brought in to be kind of a veteran leader in the coaching staff, I think that would be a hundred percent a good move. I'm a hundred percent with you on that. Teach these guys a little bit more of the ranks. He's been a head coach for multiple years. He's seen the ups and downs of good teams and bad teams. So I wouldn't hate it whatsoever. No, no, I wouldn't hate it either. I mean, you talk about a guy like Mike Zimmer. He's been a head coach. He has that experience. He, I think he would really do well coming in here, being able to show JG, John Gannon, how you know how to run the offense. I'd like a winning franchise, and I'd like it now. Call JG Wetworth. I need a new quarterback right now. I need a new quarterback right now. now. I have 1-800-BUCKLE-UP. With my franchise now. Our quarterback sucks. Call J.G. JG Wentworth. Wentworth. I need something better right now. Hey. 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 Okay, that was, all right. that was pretty good. So hopefully J.G. can uh, <laughs> turn this franchise around, and that'll be the jingle every time we win. We'll play that on the recap. Uh, you can put that on wax. But uh, let's go ahead and uh, let's move on from the Cardinals because I think we've we're going to have plenty to talk about here in the offseason and, and moving forward. But there is some big breaking news we mentioned at the top of this podcast. And that is, of course, the Suns' massive blockbuster trade for Kevin Durant, which shipped, sadly, Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson to the Nets in exchange for Kevin Durant and TJ Warren making his triumphant return. So I think it's only right that I send it over to Michael Benjamin who has been a Suns fan longer than any of us to uh, share his perspective. Tony's back. Tony's back. Let go. Tony. That's the number one thing, right? That's all we really care about in regards to this trade. No, I'm just playing. Uh, Kevin Durant is in the Valley. The Durantula is here. After much speculation, when he said he wanted to be let, he wanted to be shipped out from the Brooklyn Nets and that the Phoenix Suns were his destination, you know, we talked a whole bunch about it in the summer. One of the things that I had brought up as well that I kind of thought in regards to when it comes to higher profile guys, when they ask for trades and they put kind of a destination at the end of it, it seems like it 
finds a way to come to fruition. And we just had to wait it out until trade deadline. We also got rid of Jay Crowder, which yes, thank goodness. Man. Oh my goodness, good riddance. Done talking about that as well. We'll see how he does with his fit within the Bucks and how much true playing time that he's going to get because the Bucks are on a roll. They're starting to push the Celtics for that number one seed. But just incredible, man. I mean, we're already starting to see the changing uh, of the guard in regards to the high-profile notoriety that this Phoenix Suns team is going to get on a national media standpoint. I mean, our first game back on next Friday against the Oklahoma City Thunder has been flexed to that 8 p.m. spot on ESPN, which if a lot of you kind of read into the tea leaves, I'm guessing that's going to be the first game that Kevin Durant suits up and is finally in a Phoenix Suns uniform. Because to this point, it's just kind of been eye candy, right? Oh, yeah. We don't know exactly what's happening. We don't know how he's going to fit with these guys. You know, it was also crazy to see the press conference where fans were invited and people were shouting, screaming, yelling out, having a good time with it. It's just something different that we haven't seen in the Valley. To be honest with you, I don't know if ever. Maybe the one comparison could be to Charles Barkley. Yeah. But in our four major franchises, I think this might be the biggest high profile move of an all time great that we've ever seen. It's it's just an incredible move, honestly. And you mentioned when a player requests a trade, especially a high caliber player, they usually end up where they want to be. And I just think that has to really come down, you know, pretty much probably more so to once a team hears that a, a player like Kevin Durant wants to play for them, that team is going to do whatever it takes to sign him. And you can go back and listen to when we were talking in June and July and August of last year about not wanting to give up Mikhail Bridges for Kevin Durant. But when it's all said and done, I know I felt at first a little bit slimy about it. I had some mixed feelings about it. But when you have an opportunity, a chance to get Kevin Durant, and he, in his own words, one of the best players to ever play the game, you got to do it. He's an MVP, a finals MVP. He's a proven scorer, defender. He's just a freak athlete, and his just length, you can't teach size. I mean, when you're born seven foot with a seven foot six wingspan or whatever he has... It's just, it's incredible. I mean, if you go back, uh, shameless plug, if you go back and watch our last episode of Pass the Outlet on YouTube that Mike and I just did, you you can see in there when we're doing our, um, uh, what was it, pa- Outlet Point Guard segment, that Kevin Durant, we there's a clip in there where he's just showing his length and ability to not only handle the ball and go off the dribble, but finish at the rim and use his length to his advantage. And I can't I just can't emphasize enough how getting a player like that to pair with already another superstar like Devin Booker and a superstar past his prime in Paul and Chris Paul, but still a superstar in his own right. And DeAndre Ayton taboo. I mean, it's just it's more than you could ever ask for. There's really no excuse now for us to make a deep playoff run. And I'm not afraid to say that. Uh, We were just listening back to the very first Heat Check podcast we did that we released back in early April of 2022, and those were our expectations of that Suns team, and we all know how that ended. Um, And and Tom, I mean, with that, you were there with me for that recording, so I mean, are are your expectations that now? Oh, it's got to be. It is. So, okay, so I just want to touch on what Mike said, um, comparing it to uh, the Barkley trade. This trade is 
leaps and bounds way over that trade for Barkley. This is the most important, biggest, craziest trade the Phoenix Suns have ever done. And in terms of what they gave up for him, because we go back and look at what they gave up for Barkley, it's not they gave up some uh some questionable players. Um <laughs> I don't know their names. It's Jeff Hornacek. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not that. I'm not that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Hornacek, that good was, <laughs> Hornacek wasn't bad. Yeah, but, but what you got in return, though. But then you're sitting here right. looking at what you gave up for Kevin Durant. I mean, not even put the two players aside. You're talking about four picks, and then uh, I said two players. I, I left out Jay Crowder. Um, uh, but, well, he wasn't really a player. Yeah, was but he? he but he turned into he turned into what three second round picks. Five. Was it five? Yeah, they Jesus got back Christ. five, five round picks. picks was it five? I didn't wow. know you could trade that okay. many at once. So he turned into five second round picks. So that adds to the package that they gave up for Kevin Durant. So this is, this is, I don't, I don't know, man. This is like, it gives me goosebumps thinking about it, man. Like, it's incredible. Like, I don't know if it was just the new owner coming in saying, we're going to make a splash right off of day one. And everyone's going around saying, well, he had the best first week on the job. He got Kevin Durant. So I, I, I don't know. I do I think it's championship or bust? Absolutely. If they don't if they don't make it to the finals this season, they they don't have to win it. If they make it to the finals, that's okay. Because we have one, maybe two more years of this. I'm going to put up quotes right now, window, right, with yeah, this team. You could say that. Including Chris Paul, right? So they don't have to win it all, but we need to be in the finals this season or it's. I think it's a bust. And that's that's a lot of pressure. And I think Kevin Durant yeah. knows that too because we are so thirsty. We are so hungry. We are so whatever fucking thing I could say about putting things <laughs> in my body. I We need it right now. We need that championship. This mm-hmm. this team, this city, we are fucking so deprived of any type of championship across all four all four major major sports, right? We need it right now. And that move was just it was a slam dunk and it has to happen. So do I think they have it? Like you said, going back to when we were talking about the first uh podcast we did uh a while ago. Yeah. Yes, I think I think they can do it. I think they can pull it off. But it's hard to say right now without seeing him put on the jersey, without seeing him put on that 35 with the purple and orange. I Oh, it's going to be nice. Um it's hard to say right now until we see him on the court, but I think it's it's going to happen. I think we got it. I think it, there's no way to uh, overstate or understate how high the expectations are. It's it's true. It really is and I just want to go back just a little bit and pass this over to Mike. Do you think that, like Cody said, you want to make that play, you want to make that that trade for the high-caliber player? Is this a move that could have been done in the offseason, but maybe Robert Sarver just didn't want to sign off on, and it took Matt Ishbia coming in to get it done? I think that's 100% what happened. I believe that James Jones was working diligently to make this deal done earlier especially with the situation that happened with Jay Crowder. I know that we were talking about hopefully holding on to Mikhail Bridges, but I think he was probably always in play. But with everything that was going on off the court with Robert Sarver and his eventual you know, leaving of the team, it basically held everything up because I know that there was reports that even though he was away from the team, he was still going to have to give 
basically the okay for any kind of trades that happen. So, you know, Talman, you talk about Matt Ishbia having possibly one of the best first weeks as a new owner. I mean, first weeks, first 24 hours. The literally, guy got it done. It he literally yeah. immediately. Uh, first day on the job. Truly, truly incredible. But, you know, when Talman was talking, there were just so many things that were coming to my mind. And I'm going to try and compile them here. It's going to be tough. So bear with me. But this is an all eggs in one basket move to get a title right now. You're talking about Chris Paul as a 37-year-old point guard. He has maybe next year left. I know there's been talks about him. He misses his family. Even being just in Phoenix away from L.A., the older you get, the harder it is to be away from your family. So, and he, you know, he's had some dips. He's had his health problems as well. This is a move to make a play to get him a championship within the next two years. You know, it also opens up a wide variety of free agents that you can get. I mean, you already can see it from our ability to get Terrence Ross basically away from the Mavericks. So your window can be extended just from that because as long as Durant wants to play, I probably see he see he has at least five years left. Yeah. Will it all be in a Phoenix Suns uniform? You know, only time will tell. I think as long as Devin Booker and him have a good relationship, I could see him ending his career here, especially if we're continued to have success. Oh, yeah. But, you know, that goes into if we don't make the finals this year, it will be a disappointment. I think one of the other items is you talk about how does the fit happen? Well, I don't think you have to talk about how does Kevin Durant fit. When you have generational superstars like that, who can score at all three levels, who can play pretty good defense and are just all-time greats who understand the game. It's not going to be a matter of how does Kevin Durant fit within this team. It's going to be a matter of how do these other guys continue to produce once he's on the floor. Devin Booker's going to get less shots. How does he continue to keep himself involved in the game plan? Chris Paul's going to take way less shots. How does he continue to get 12-plus assists a night? I don't think that's going to be very hard. But the big key factor is how is DeAndre Ayton going to stay involved in this game plan and keep his energy up when he only shoots eight times a game? Yep. If that, you got to continue to bring it on the defensive end. you got to know your role. And for him to be in year five, we shouldn't even have to think that it'll be a situation to think about. But we know D.A. and we know what kind of person he is. I think that's going to be the key piece for a title run here. But it opens up for the next couple of years. You'll be able to sign free agents, veteran guys who can still play, who will sign for minimums to keep this team competitive over the next three to five years, consistently at the top of the Western Conference fighting for a championship. So this was a deal that just changed the face of the Phoenix Suns for the next five years. And my goodness, I'm with Tallman. I'm getting goosebumps. It's just crazy. Just overnight how the entire franchise was flipped on its head from us being real skeptical about the outlook of this season. We knew they had to trade Jay, Jay Crowder. There is no way he could still be on this roster after the deadline. We heard about the offer for Rui Hachimura from the Wizards. And then a lot of Suns fans were disappointed we didn't pull that off because shortly around that time frame and thereafter, he was putting up some numbers on the board and showing some promise as, as a young prospect in this league. But he's been around for a while. He's not a rookie by any means. Uh, so it just shows that James Jones was holding out for bigger and better things. And I think at, I think to some extent he knew that the timing was going to work out 
where Ishbia could come in, pull the trigger on that. And I guarantee you they, those guys were having conversations about it. Call it tampering, whatever you want. It, it, it is what it had to be. But Mike, I, I just, you bring up so many great points. I worry so much about DeAndre Ayton and how he's going to assimilate into this offense now. I think he's really going to have to be aggressive in the post and become a true big man that we need him to be, grabbing offensive boards when he gets opportunities and being aggressive. Again, we saw in a clip on Pass the Outlet where he ran the full distance of the court on a fast break to slam it in. We need him to keep high energy and stay aggressive because he's also the youngest of these four core guys and that's crazy you talk about having a big three we have a big four man big four has a big four ever been seen before dude could you imagine that trade happening for durant and we not losing aiden that's incredible well it's what's even more wild to me is that not only did we trade to add a fourth star our bench also got better somehow it's insane. And Josh Akogi's coming into his own. Do we get He's Terrence Ross? Solid, man. Yeah. I don't know what Darius Baisley's going to do for us. I, TJ Warren has been used sparingly so far. We'll see how much play he gets after the All-Star break, but... He's another guy. He's not a he's not a young guy. So we're going kind of transitioning from the last, you know, five years where the Suns were the young startup team to now we have older guys. Like Kevin Durant and Chris Paul automatically bring our average age way up. And that's not necessarily a bad thing when we're talking about wanting to win championships right now. No, because you're talking about two of maybe the top 20 best players to ever played the game. Absolutely. Chris surefire Ball. Hall of Famers, yeah. I think, in my mind. Yeah. Especially if Chris Paul gets a championship. Yeah. Surefire he's, Hall of Famers. He's one of the best to ever play it at, at that position. That's... That's an easy argument. Oh, Chris Paul is going to be yeah. a first ballot Hall of Fame. Did I see he's, he's going in? If he doesn't, sure. if he doesn't yeah. win a championship, either way, his stats prove it. So, yeah, I think I think John Stockton's steals record is untouchable. But I think I saw this week that Chris Paul moved into third for steals all time. Oh wow! So if that alone doesn't get him into the Hall of Fame, I don't know what does. I mean, dude, I went to that Suns game on Valentine's Day. He had nineteen, 19 assists, fucking assists, nineteen assists, and yeah. he also scored. I think like. 18 points or 17 points? I don't, I don't remember. He scored a good amount of points yeah. as well. So you're going to put up 16, 17 points to get 19. It's, it's, at, at his age, I mean, if you can get that Chris Paul, that version of Chris Paul, and then you sit there, you have Kevin Durant, or uh, Kevin Durant, you have Booker, Chris Paul, and you have DeAndre Ayton, somebody that is young, like you said, the youngest, and he grew up idolizing Kevin Durant idolizing Chris Paul. Oh, yeah. And now he's playing with... Like, did you see him in the press conference? We sit there, he went... He sat there, he goes, we got KD. Ain't that something? Like, he is... Because, you know... Yeah, you know, yeah, D, goofy, you know, D, I love yeah. that guy. I love it. Yeah, him. he goes... Like, he can't... He still can't believe it. So you gotta He's all think, of us, man. I can't believe like, it. Even that one game where... Because I went to that game against, um, against the Kings, mm-hmm. and just him sitting on the bench in sweatpants and a fucking sweater and a beanie like just the fact that you call timeout and you're gonna go you're gonna give KD a high five that just elevates like that elevates the team right you're sitting with one of the the 10 best players to ever play the game like you could say that right Kevin Durant's probably top 10 to ever play the game well, yeah well and what I think I'm not saying he's number one at all oh well he's probably top five I mean you think top five we might have to do a bracket on. Yeah, this might, might be a different. Be a this might be a different. <laughs> but but think about how that elevates everybody else on that team, and especially DeAndre Ayton. 
when he sits there and he goes, okay, well, it's like playing with Tom Brady, man. You sat there and he won, uh, he won championships with like no names at receiver. You you go into a huddle and Tom Brady's your quarterback. Like you want to do better for yeah. him because there's that pressure, right? And then you're sitting there and you're getting ready for a game and Kevin Durant's t- sitting there with you in the pregame huddle, or whatever. Like you want to do better. So I want to see how that elevates DeAndre because it has to to some point where. This team, could, the big four, like you said, mm-hmm. it's going to come together, and I think it's going to be magical. Well, I think that pressure really makes it like make or break. Like you know, pressure can make diamonds. If you want to throw out catchphrases like uh, JG, but but we're another you know angle I think was really cool in hearing about is uh, Kevin Durant's. T- obviously, he's been in the league for a long time now. His ties to a lot of the guys that are already on the roster. He played with Campaign on Oklahoma City. He played with Damian Lee in Golden State. He obviously TJ Warren in in uh, Brooklyn. Um, but also another thing I wanted to mention, of course, we think that you know Kevin Durant's going to be here for a while. He's even said I could see my I could see myself finishing my career here. But he also said in the same sentence that. And I'm paraphrasing, of course, but he he said that he also saw, felt that way about Brooklyn. He thought he was going to finish his career there, and that just didn't work out. So it's all going to come down to the chemistry, like we're saying, tying it all together. How is DeAndre Ayton going to assimilate? Are we going to ultimately have to trade him this coming offseason and bring in other pieces? Um, is How long is Chris Paul going to be able to be a viable starting point guard? Um, is this and, and obviously, you can take the core of Devin Booker and Kevin Durant and build around it, but there's... There's a lot of things I think were answered by bringing in Kevin Durant, but also a lot of question marks now that we still have as far as the long-term future. But I think right now all eyes are on the prize of getting a championship this year. And I think one thing that has become more clear to those players that are on the roster as well is it's go time. It's even more go time than whenever you're going through training camp and you're getting ready to start a season, you're hoping that things go your way, you're hoping to have success, but with a move like this, it's championship or bust. I know Jock Landell kind of talked about, you know, those 24 hours when McHale was traded, they were on the road in Atlanta, and, you know, he's having to kind of say his goodbyes to the Twins, and he even said that he was asleep, so he didn't know about it until <laughs> he woke up and he went down to uh, to kind of meet up with the team, have some breakfast, and everybody was kind of scattered. And he's asking, what's going on? And everybody was like, oh, well, Mikhail and Cam are like down in the common room, like kind of saying their goodbyes and stuff to everybody. And he's like, what? I didn't even know. But... <laughs> You take some time to comprehend what's happened, and then you see Kevin Durant in the building. You start to see him in the uniform, taking all the pictures for social media. And I wasn't at that Kings game, but I was watching it. And Tallman, correct me if I'm wrong, I could just tell there was a different type of juice in that building. Because we know what's about to happen, what expectations are to come from this team. It's that time. It's that time to go for it and go all in for it. So I think I do want to touch on one big piece and probably the last part of this trade as well, which is losing Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson, two Valley favorites, two homegrown guys, guys who were drafted by this franchise and really helped change this culture and have started to become 
budding stars in this league. I mean, Mikael Bridges has already started to make a name for himself in Brooklyn. What, his second game in uh, a uniform for the Nets, he drops 45. Brooklyn Bridges. Brooklyn Bridges. Fuck. So it's always tough to lose guys like that, guys who you've been rooting for, guys who you've seen grow. But to make a trade like this, it's just an unfortunate necessity. It's an unfortunate necessity yes. to include those kind of guys in trades like this. So I do wish the best for Cam and Mikhail. I think the Nets have set themselves up for success in the future. They're probably going to make the playoffs this year. I don't know what kind of, you know, a run they'll really go on. But, you know, with that much draft capital, it gives you the ability to make some trades, bring in some higher profile guys as well. So we'll see what they do in the next couple of years. But right now, it's all about the Valley, baby. Yes, sir. And I think it's important to note, as much as we love Mikael Bridges, he will be an unrestricted free agent in 2026. So there's a chance he finds his way back to the Valley. Um, But three years is a long time for him to be able to fall in love with New York and uh, maybe have some other life plans. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see. But I think, you know, in in wrapping this all up, the Suns are 32 and 28 here at the All-Star break. That's fifth in the West, nine and a half games out of first. And so we're going to have 22 games left, hopefully all 22 of those games with Kevin Durant. And we'll really get to see what this team is made of and get a strong push going into the playoffs, get a nice high seed and, uh, It's just going to come down to how this team is going to come together. We can't emphasize that enough, but fellas, you know we're going to be tracking this. We got our Suns recaps we do every two weeks. Mike and I will keep tabs on them on PTO and the Heat Check Live, so make sure you're following us. I'll do the shameless plugs here at AZ underscore VSP on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, and of course at Valley Sports Plug on YouTube and Facebook, where you can be sure to just type us into Google, Bing, or any search engine, and I'm sure you'll find our content Uh, But fellas, in in wrapping up this uh, Heat Check podcast for February, I want to just tie up some loose ends and some stuff that we're going to have coming up in the world of sports and, uh, you know, VSP, Valley Sports Plug, and just the Valley in general. Uh, Of course, a hot topic in the Valley is spring training, which is just around the corner. Uh, A lot of excitement here in the Valley. I know the Diamondbacks have a lot of young prospects, and I think we're thinking about having some, some quiet success, but... Tom, are you planning on going out to any games? And in particular, maybe what parks are you looking forward to visiting? I'm not going to spring training. What? No. Come on, really? Dude, spring training tickets cost more than like a ticket at Chase Field. It's ridiculous, man. Well, it depends where you're going. Yeah, well, That's yeah, true. well, you go to Salt River Fields, then yeah, you're pay- dude, like you're pay- like you pay like forty dollars to sit in grass in the outfield, man. Yeah, the Cubs, the Cubs facility. Yeah, is that nice too. too. Yeah. yeah, was it Sloan Park? Sloan Park. Yeah, That's right. dude, that place is sold out. Like it's crazy, man. It's all those transplants, like we said before, dude. Oh, of course. All they these take fucking Chicago that. fans. <laughs> How would you go back to Chicago? Oh yeah, Chicago sh- sucks. That's why you're here. Um, I'm excited though. For, for baseball, but spring training, I don't know. I'm not a fan of spring training. I'm ready for the season to start, and I'll go to Chase Field any day of the week over spring training. I, I just I don't know. Well, so, I, I can't do it. So I do want to stay on spring training, but I also know that you like going to Chase Field, and they have the World Baseball Classic coming up, and some of those games are going to be at Chase Field. Would you oh, have any they? interest in going to that? Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, I think we should. We <laughs> oh, should yeah. look into that. Side note. We'll, 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 meet, we'll talk about that off off uh, off pod here. But Let's go. 
Michael Benjamin, I know we were talking about we we I'm gonna just spill the beans. We said our favorite stadium for probably nostalgic reasons is Tempe Diablo Stadium where the Ooh, Angels will play. Oh Diablo, yeah. Um so I might try and make it out to a game there. Like you said, Sloan Park and Salt River Fields. We'll look at the ticket prices, yeah, Tommy, I, but I got Barry Bond's signature at uh no, Diablo, at Stadium. Diablo Stadium. No, yeah. wait, I think I got Vladimir Guerrero's. Did you? Signature. Yeah, I was I think I was eight years old. No, seven. I was seven years old. Yeah. Nice. So I'm with you guys on that. That is, yeah, that's a sneaky pick. Yeah, Tempe Diablo, one of the classics. Always try to make it out there for a game every year if I can. I'm going to try and go to Sloan Park as well. I have not been able to make it out there yet. Because it's too booked, man. <laughs> it's just too booked. <laughs> it is. Oh, man, what's the one where the Royals and the White Sox play at? It's out in Buckeye. In Buckeye. Yeah. That's, a, that's another good one. And there's another one in Scottsdale, too. I forgot what it is. Is that the one with the Giants? Mm, no, it's... um, Fuck, it's the Brewers? I don't know, I thought the Brewers one was in Phoenix. But either way, man, talk about the hub. You know, the... The Super Bowl was just here. Everybody was here. Celebrities, famous people, athletes, singers, putting on concerts. And now spring training is about to start up. It's just the place to be, man. And the Diamondbacks, you know, it, getting really excited to see what this unit looks like. Pitchers and catchers already reported. Uh, starting catcher Carson Kelly is out there, as well as newcomer Gabriel Moreno who we acquired from the Toronto Blue Jays along with Lourdes Gurriel Jr. in that trade where we sent Dalton Varsho to the Blue Jays. And also another familiar face coming back, Andrew Chafin, yeah. who pitched with us from 2011 to 2020. The Sheriff. He's back. The Sheriff is back in town. So it'll be interesting to see what this starting unit as far as pitchers looks like, if we shirt up this bullpen. And oh, what these young the guys are going to really do and, and given the opportunity to play, because I think we're going younger this year, it seems like. We are. Dude, the bullpen is the biggest part right here. I mean, our, our starting five is okay. It's the bullpen that really, really was just the Achilles heel last season. And we have such a talented roster. It's incredible. And I can't wait to see it. But if they don't show up that bullpen... We're screwed. We're not gonna. We're not gonna do anything. No. And when you're in one of the toughest divisions in baseball, when you have to play the Padres, you have to play the Giants, you have to play the Dodgers. You know, this is. <laughs> it's not gonna be easy, and we're gonna be screwed for a little bit. But I'm excited. I'm excited to see what happens. I really am. Hey, I will say I think we won't have to play those teams as much as we normally would because this is they the year when we right, start to yeah. play everybody in the major leagues. Yeah, so. yeah that's, that's a great point. That's crazy. Yeah, that's gonna be. <laughs> that's a awesome. good thing for us, man. They uh they increased the the base sizes. Did you see that? I saw that. It looked crazy. Yeah, someone came out and said uh it's like pizza boxes. Jesus, like the, the bases are as big as a pizza box. Like that's pretty big. And then uh no shift anymore. Oh, yeah, they killed the shift. Yeah, no more shift, which is crazy. That I, is I wild know. to me. And the pitch timer, it's like, right? And, and then uh, the other and there's a pitch the, timer? The pitch clock, yeah. So how far are we from robotic umpires then? Hopefully right <laughs> really around close. the corner. It's got to be pretty really close. close, dude. It's got to happen. I can't. That's going to be interesting. Well, I do want to kind of – I got some more information about this World Baseball Classic. It's going to be uh, – Pool C is going to be held in uh, Phoenix, Arizona at Chase Stadium from March 11th to March 15th. 
Um, and it's USA, Mexico, Colombia, Canada, and Great Britain. Uh, and so then I pulled up the the USA roster for the World Baseball Classic. Like, guys, we're going to have to try and go to this game because, I mean, these names here, Pete Alonzo, Tim Anderson, Nolan Arenado, Mookie Betts, Paul Goldschmidt, America's first baseman, having his homecoming, uh, Kyle Higatoshka, I should have tried to pronounce that name, um, Jeff McNeil, Adam Onoverio, JT Realmuto, Kyle Schwarber, and the list goes on and on. Mike Trout, another big name, Trey Turner. I think they've all said that they're on board to playing. So USA has got a star-studded roster like these aren't college kids these are mlb stars on this usa baseball roster. this march what was the date march 11th to the 15th where are they playing to that chase field oh fuck we're going yeah we oh gotta go God. to that we're yeah. going Holy like even if see, it's can Mex- we go see mexico i was gonna say mexico versus colombia or yeah. no i kind of want to say no, usa i, I gotta go say to i want to see usa play USA. Mexico. let's go do USA. that USA. USA. Oh, yeah no we'll definitely have to do that i mean we always we talk a big game valley sports plugs always trying to get this content out there but yeah if we go to that we're definitely gonna make some content 100 yeah. percent. we'll teach we'll teach vsp tallman how to ask people if they're willing to be on camera before we interview them there for content <laughs> the learning curve is real uh, that's a good one. We, long story short, we tried to have some uh, waste management open content for you, failed. but at least we got the Tallman yeah. ticket out, right, guys? Yeah, it failed. I might just still put that video together. I'm for, sorry, Mike. For shit, even if it's a short one, yeah, just make it happen. It I don't know. Um, but what what else? What else do we have going on in the valley? So we got spring training. We got. Um, the World Baseball Classic, that's the baseball stuff. I know hockey season is wrapping up. Yeah. Um, U of A in the tournament. U of A. March Madness, that's right. Yeah. Thank you, Tallman. March Madness is right around the corner. Know that we are going to do a bracket challenge for all of you with maybe some prizes involved for whoever has the best bracket. Uh, so make sure you're following us again. Go rewind like two minutes. I just dropped all those links. Um, and, and we're going to be you know keeping it pushing. But... Yeah, U of A looking really good. They got a big win, I think, against Utah the other night. Um, they're like the 18th seed in the in the nation right now, and probably only going to be trending upward from there. ASU, um, I know they have so, kind of been up and down, but they're kind of choking. So I don't know about their chances to make the tournament, but we'll have our resident ASU expert Ben Miller on. He's always keeping a tab on what's going on with the with the college sports and especially ASU. Oh, excuse me. Hey, I will say. ASU, they had a tough loss um, on Thursday to Colorado. Uh, they just kind of fell asleep. They didn't score a single point in the last three minutes and 50 seconds. Yeah, of the game. that's why I said they fell asleep. They, yeah. they took a nap. But <laughs> they, they did score. beat Utah today, 67 to 59. There you go. Awesome. They're fourth in the Pac 12, so they're going to have a chance to have a top four seed in the Pac 12 <laughs> tournament. And we'll see what kind of run they so, can go on and see. I mean, they're 19 and 9, so they could find a way yeah. to sneak into so the, they, t- the tournament. Right. Man. They could make the tournament, but they have to win one of their two last games, if not both of them. And I'm pretty sure they're playing USC and UCLA for the last two games. And that's. That's gonna be probably tough. not well, gonna win. And that. you know who's next? Like the next, they have three more games. And oh, you three. know Who's next? Who is next? It's U of A. U of A. Okay. Ooh. Oh yeah. So U of A, and then uh, I think it's and then they play UCLA. UCLA on March second, and then finish with USC. USC. On okay. March. So yeah. <laughs> you could go zero and three very easy, and then you're not even in question for the tournament. Yeah, well, maybe tough. scratch but, out two out of three. So they're gonna lose give to U of A. Some momentum. Yeah, they're, they're going to use they're gonna lose all of them. All right. Come sorry. on. Sorry, Bobby. No I'm sorry. 
Ben, come over here and talk to your man. I apologize. Ben said it. Ben Ben's got to set us straight, but fellas, it's been a good one. I want to wrap up here with mentioning that we do brand ourselves as Valley Sports and Pop Culture. So we did end up recording our first pop culture podcast of 2023. Sabrina joined VSP Tallman and I to make a Valley Sports Plug original bracket of the best form of potato. <laughs> so Love you're, you're going to have to tune in. Uh, keep an eye out. Well, that video will be coming out soon. It's a pod, It's only pod form. There's not a video, but it'll be on YouTube and probably the streaming services too. But on that note, I do want to have uh, just one last little, I think it's sports slash pop culture question directed it to two of you. Next Sunday, Jake Paul is going to have a boxing match against Tommy Fury uh, in another one of these celebrity boxing matches. Jake Paul is still thinking he's a legitimate boxer. He ha- I think he's undefeated. Um, but Tommy Fury is no joke. He's the brother of Tyson Fury and a guy that actually knows how to box. So are, are you tuning in, Tommen? I'm totally going to watch God. that. Because I want to see Jake Paul get his fucking ass kicked. Because he's paid for the wins, dude. And he's paid for all of them. Tyson Fury is a monster, dude. The motherfucker is like 6'6". His brother, dude, he's got to have some of that fucking fire in his blood just like his brother. Because Tyson Fury is no fucking joke. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm happy that this is happening. Because Jake Paul... Unless he paid it, and you know, it's probably so fucking corrupt, dude. It oh, probably is, oh yeah. man. Oh, yeah. He's probably like, I'll give you like 15 million if you just lay down, right? Make me look good. Make me look like a stud. But I really hope, I'm waiting for that day where somebody fucking whoops his ass because he needs it really fucking bad. Really bad. And if he was that big of a stud, go to the UFC if you think that you're that hot shit dude because you're not man well, there, you're not. But there's a big difference between boxing and ufc i mean we well, saw how McGregor, there is. Uh, yeah. translated well so mcgregor laid down for millions too yeah he that's his been that's his big thing is just cash and checks not winning fights towards the end of his career whether it was boxing or ufc do you blame him no not at all i mean it's just <laughs> it just goes to show you how combat sports oh, he, he's fighting this year too is he now? Uh, I think uh, later this year, like September or something. Okay. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna tune into that one. So we'll tune into that too. Yeah. But Mike, yeah. Jake Paul, you you in? Jake Paul, I got my money on him. That's it. Really? Yeah. Over Tommy? Yeah, I do. Oh, I wonder what those uh, what those odd. No, Ty- are. Tyson Fury and his dad told Tommy that if he loses to Jake Paul, that he's basically disowned from the family, and, <laughs> oh, he, did they and he can that? no longer use their last name. Oh, I'm pretty okay. sure something no. like that. No. Famous last words. Yeah, I, I mean, I hope not. I mean, for for no. what you know, t- you know, Tyson, Tommy is not Tyson. That is for sure. Tommy was a contestant on the UK reality show Love Island. Um, he is a m- social media media personality, kind of one of these Gen Z young millennial. I don't know what bracket he. I think he's a Gen Z, or I'm not 100 percent sure. But same with Jake Paul, though. So. We'll see. We'll see. I, I agree with Tallman and the sentiment that he probably paid some money for uh, maybe some fixes in some of these fights. I don't think that's outlandish to say, especially how historically corrupt boxing is, from my understanding. But what do you got there? Oh, yeah, it'll be a good one. He looks like a monster. Tommy. Dude. Yeah, Tommy is a monster. Just him and Jake Paul. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, come on. Jake Paul's a goon. I hope he gets his shit rocked. Um, <laughs> he's a fucking goon. But if he wins, though, the the last thing I'll mention though is look if at he, this cat. Uh, he's yoked. Come yeah, he's on, a stud, dude. and he comes from a boxing family. All right, look, look at that one. 
Okay. Yeah. What do you want me <laughs> to say? What do you want me to say? I want you to say he's That's sexy and that you uh, would you would want to li- you would want to be with him we'll one see. night, Mike. We'll yeah. see. I might put a big bet on this one. All right. So yeah, I, I had the odds. I had the odds. So Jake Paul is minus one eighty, and Tom Tommy Fury is plus one forty. Really? So, so Jake Paul's so the favorite. He's the favorite, dude. He's wow. the favorite. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And that's on DraftKings. That's very so. interesting. That's very interesting. So we'll have to see. Uh, maybe we'll we'll tune we'll tune in and keep you updated on that on a roundtable or a heat check live. Uh, see if we can drag Tallman out to do a live stream. He's a rare sighting these days, but you never know. But no, the last thing I wanted to say about this fight, um, and, and thank you for sharing those odds, Cody. But the last thing that I wanted to mention is that this could. What I was seeing is this could, if Jake Paul wins, set him up for contention for a title. A legitimate like boxing title, and that just blows my mind. How he went from YouTuber, you know, joke, if you will, to now being maybe a serious boxer. It's just very weird. So, I think Michael Benjamin, he's picking Jake Paul. I'm picking Fury. Tallman's picking Fury. Uh, but we'll have to see. So, anyway, uh, I, I guess last thing I'll say is to hand it over to Michael Benjamin and see if he has any last things to say. No, man. This was February. We're ending the cold streak, heading into spring. Got a lot of awesome things happening in the Valley, specifically with spring training. The sun's ramping it up with Kevin Durant. We're going to keep coming at you, so just make sure you stay tuned. And I appreciate y'all, fellas. It's always an enjoyable time to kick it with y'all. Absolutely. Tallman? Yeah, I got some. <clears throat> you ready? Yeah. Call JG Wetworth. I need another fucking beer right now. Give me another fucking beer. Just Let's kidding. go. Oh. We're going to go get Tallman another beer. We're going to get <laughs> out of here. Um, so for Michael Benjamin, for VSP Tallman, I am Chris Patrick, and we will see you in March for the next Heat Check podcast. And make sure you're following us and you can catch us live. We'll see you next time. Peace.